0: Yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are, it is our choices.
1: Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting, where being rude is never acceptable, but sarcasm is welcome and swearing isn't always a bad option. Let's get started. Hello everyone and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting. Thanks for tuning in. If you need more information, just go to jentaylor.net where I have everything at your disposal from what it's like to live as a mom to 13 kids, to my podcast, public speaking, coaching, or purchasing my book. All in one place, jentaylor.net, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Today I have the pleasure of chatting with Jen Bertinen. How are you, Jen? Good, how are you? Good. We have some amazing things in common. First, we we're both born in 1970. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we have the most popular name of like three generations. Yes. So uh, I put a there's a second N on the name Jen for me. I don't know why that happened or where, but I, I felt like it singled me out, which is, <laughs> that's why. <a
0: lie. laughs> I was Jenny until I was 18 with an IE. So oh, I feel, really? yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's special. <laughs> um, and you were born and raised in Wisconsin. So we're just kind of going to kind of jump in here. You do have a website. It's your name. And, yep. um, so jenvertman.com, it will be in the show notes to be able to get in touch with you and just your story on there is pretty fantastic. So
0: jump fantastically out. awful.
1: But, yeah. Well, <laughs> fantastically awful. Yeah. Mine's fantastically awful, but you know, that's what builds us into who we are today. So we can talk about that first. If you'd like, tell me some of the things that are going on with your business now, and what you've done business wise.
0: Yeah, so I'm actually launching my own podcast on. Uh, Cross my fingers, September 27th. Um, so not sure when this will release if it'll be out there yet or not. Um, but really, I want to have conversations with people who've had the emotional shit kicked out of them, much like I have. Um, I happen to have a lot of resilience and grit and determination and tenacity and. We'll run into the wall 10 million times and get right back up. I mean, that's just my personality. And I love finding other people who who do that much like yourself, right? Um, I want to normalize those conversations around mental health, depression, the struggles that we have. Um, I just have, I guess, an open way of talking about it that people relate to and they're like, oh, well, I guess me too. And I love, love hearing those me too's because then people it's almost like that permission or freedom to open up a little bit more. And that's when we get to the good stuff. That's for me, when I was able to kind of start my healing is when I could just feel like I could talk about those things. I didn't have to keep them stuffed in anymore. So that's, that's what my business and podcast is about helping awesome. others do the same.
1: You've done other stuff kind of peripherally or, or surrounding that. Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. So I had left a corporate job. I'd been there for 14 years and I decided I wanted to be a life coach. Um, There was a lot going on in my life at that point in time. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to be a life coach. And then I was like, well, no, no, it was actually a health coach and then a life coach and then a business coach. Uh, And so I've dabbled in that online space and I've actually done quite a bit of business coaching. So I've seen a lot of behind the scenes of businesses, Um, but it never felt right to charge for that. Um, and so now I actually do it uh, for fun. <laughs> I, I love taking entrepreneurs, especially women under my wing and just helping drive those strategy and brainstorm and ideas and execution. And I have a project manager background by trade um, and I've always operated really well in that, the st- strategic down into the execution layer. So yeah, and now it's, I work with single mothers uh, in a mentoring capacity for a local um, organization. And that's the work that I want to move forward into in this next iteration of my business. I really love, um, yeah, helping people in any way. Any, in, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> You'll have to edit that out. <laughs> you know, be, being that, I, I like to call it an emotional sidekick. It's, I don't know if I'm a coach. I don't know if I'm a mentor. Right now, I kind of don't care what I am. I just want to help people. I want to help them tell their stories.
1: Well, the podcast is a great platform to do that on and I always love how much every story is like our, our, stories are remarkably similar, but most of the time, the stories are very different, the struggles, but how we feel and what helped us and how we got help are very similar. So I like to kind of build that as a toolbox, the arsenal of strengths that you can get from getting out of the struggles. So let's get into your struggle yeah let's do it. Born in 1970 in Wisconsin. Ooh. So, <laughs> so how how many kids were in the house? Tell me about life growing up.
0: Yes, life growing up. Uh, so I do have a younger brother. He's about six years younger, and we when I was about eight, we moved from big city, Milwaukee. <laughs> Maybe it's not that big, but it was to me. big city Milwaukee to very small town Wisconsin. Where my mom had growing growing up, and I remember, even at that young of age, I just I, I didn't feel like I fit in. I just begged to go back to um, to the bigger city. But it was about that time that my dad started showing signs. We didn't I didn't have a name to it, but uh, signs of mental illness. So he does have that. Um, and again, signs of that. And it started with, gosh, I was going back way back in time
1: signs of mental illness
0: mental illness and it would be something as simple as accusing me of hiding his hairbrush or a hair dryer or and it just it escalated from there um, to the point where now I have no contact with him and I haven't for a couple of years um, but growing up it was very much uh it, it was I I, I saw myself, I still see myself as that warrior. I was the one to protect my mom and my brother. My mom admits now that she, and you know, she's very much a victim of the same emotional abuse that we went through, but you know, she'll, she'll admit now that she was very checked out during that time. That was her way of, of protecting herself. But I remember when I was 12, I was told, um, and you have to, for years and years and years, my whole entire life, um, I remember begging to leave, begging my mom to leave, take my brother and I, leave my dad. And, and she wouldn't. And I never understood why. And when I was about 12, um, she told me that professionals had told her, if we, if we leave, he will most likely um, come find us and kill us. And even then, I still wanted to leave. The The threat of death, I mean, this is so, so I don't want to say silly but not <laughs> like um but it was the even the threat of death was worse than the idea of staying. Um we stayed. She actually divorced him last year. Um I'm 47 year now and so it took all that you know and so there there's a lot of wrapped up around healing from the impacts of my dad, healing from the impacts of my mom. I don't feel like she protected us. Um, she very much does. Her story is her story. My story is mine. I, I completely get that, and I respect her story, even if I don't agree with it. Um, you know, I, Do you want to hear some of the stories? Yes. <laughs> okay. I know you, yeah.
1: you're interested. It's interesting because on your website, you say, I saw myself as the warrior, which is part
0: mm-hmm. of
1: my, my book is Hello, My Name is Warrior Princess.
0: So oh, you, I love that, yeah yes.
1: um, so uh, it's kind of a it's a Wonder woman whole thing, but I know you would you were trying to be the bait and the protector, and I think that's an older sibling thing because I did the same thing,
0: yeah, so yes. yes,
1: delve in,
0: yeah, so I just I remember Sunday mornings, my mom loved going to church, it was the church she grew up in, and my dad would do everything in his power to make her cry and not just cry but that, that hysteria, the sobs, right? Where you can, you're almost hyperventilating because you're crying so hard. Every Sunday, I just got goosebumps. <laughs> Every Sunday, like clockwork, make her cry. She would, to her credit, she would still go to church. It was a small town of 600, 700 people. So everyone knew everyone. Her eyes would be puffy. Um, her, th- you know, her voice was always catching. Um, and the, sh- the shame that everyone was looking at my mom, knowing what was happening, right? Um, that, that still is something I struggle with too, is that the adults in the community I grew up in um, didn't step in to, to protect us. I'll use that word protect a lot because I really do think that's what it is. Uh, and, and so I would, I would insert myself as best as I could. My dad didn't really come after me verbally. He would go after my mom and my brother and, um, And so, again, that's where that warrior concept came in. Is just I would put myself in front and I would try to take, I would try to deflect. I would try to get him to physically um, hit me. He never did. But I remember once, you know, in, in one of those times begging my mom, why can't the cops come take him away? Why? I don't understand this. And she said it. You know, he had to be a physical threat to himself or others. And so it's like, okay, well, I'll take that on then. I will get him to physically threaten me. Like, duh. <laughs> it just felt so logical. But I still have. Um, I would. He. We had this vestibule, and he would back me into a corner, and just get so close in front of my face, and just the the yelling, the verbal abuse, and the spittle that would come out and the rage and the, you know, the, the rearing up of the hand, and just coming so close, and I just, I remember thinking, please do it, please do it, please hit me, like, I can take this, I can, I can, I'm strong enough to do this, I am strong enough to, to weather, whatever, physic whatever you do, I can take it, and he just never did, and that pisses me off, like, yeah, I gave the opportunity, and he just never went that far, so it was, he was never, you know, we were never able to get him removed. And it actually wasn't until last year, maybe the year before that, um, you know, I I just, I always identify as the warrior. I always identify as the mama bear. I will go to battle. I will hurt myself, you know, for my children, for my brother, my mom. Um, But it was a realization that I'd been carrying this sense of failure um, because I was never able to protect them. I, I couldn't. You know, I didn't see it as protecting myself. Um, so again, you know, I, I, I ask, who was there to protect me? And that's a really hard question. That It's hard to hear the answer because no one, no one was there to protect me. No one had my back. Um, so yeah, it's coming to acceptance with that. <laughs> there were times we would be, oh God, one of the most awful was, uh, We were on the way to Thanksgiving at his parents' house. We're in the little (laughs) Chevette, if you remember the 1970s, 80s (laughs) Chevette. So we're cramped in there. And uh, he just very nonchalantly says, yeah, you know, before we left, I drowned rhubarb. Rhubarb was my nine-month-old puppy. And it was just, it was so nonchalant. And it was, and the look in his eye, it was like this gleam. And then we had to go be normal, right? With his family processing this, it was about halfway into an hour, two hour ride. So you're stuck in this small vehicle with this person who just killed your, your pet, right? I was actually talking to my mom about this recently and she said, you know, that was the day that she believed he could kill us. Um, you know, so again, it's, the child in me that's still healing didn't feel like she protected us. And, you know, her story is she did. Um, she was afraid that if she left with us, we'd, we'd be dead. Um, so we'd be riding down the the freeway like nothing was, I mean, nothing was wrong, you know, and just all of a sudden he would like pull up on the emergency brake and we'd go skidding into oncoming traffic. And <laughs> It's scary you know, and that, and the point with that story is you're always on eggshells. You never know what to expect. You're always tentatively expecting that something out of the blue is going to happen. And that sucks.
1: And that something horrible is going to happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Again, I, I've never been afraid that my dad would come kill me. I, 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 Logically, I haven't. Um, a reoccurring nightmare is that he actually shows up at my house with my mom dead in the car um, and he's come to kill my family. So that is a reoccurring nightmare I have, but I've never... Again, I grew up thinking it'd be better off dead than... I would be better off dead than to have to go through that any longer. He would... um Walk around the house. uh, There was a frying pan, and he would like bang his head with the frying pan and just shout at the top of his lungs. "I'd be better off dead. I'd be better off dead." And I'm just like, "Yeah, please do it. Kill yourself." Because that takes like then we don't have to worry about it, right? We don't have to worry about our lives. We don't have to be subjected to this abuse. So, come to find out, in my early 20s, that uh, my dad was diagnosed with um, bipolar and borderline personality and. A slew of other stuff. And he did go on meds, um, became very zombie like. So it was easy to be around my dad because he just kind of wasn't there, right? He would still, I was out of the house, my brother was out of the house at that point in time. And, he, you know, he, would still, he was still very emotionally abusive to my mom. And we would see that. Um, but it was like, you know, you can only say so many times to her, leave, we'll help you right? That that was her choice to stay. She thought, you know, because he has a mental illness, it's kind of like having cancer. And gosh, it's, it's hard to talk about this sometimes because mental illness in and of itself is not a bad thing at all. I suffer from depression. I'm very open about that. Um, I want to normalize those conversations. I think it's when you don't get the help that you maybe can. In in my dad's case, I don't, I don't know if they're, He's a trapped soul. I don't know what could be done, what he could do, to not be emotionally abusive. I don't know if that's a true statement or not. You know, I just I don't know. I would like to hope and think that there is something that um, could help my dad not be that way. Um, but you know, when when professional after professional says, "Yeah, he's he's never going to not be that way," what, what do you do, right? So anyway, years and years go by. Um, I have children. My brother has children. My dad does really well when the kids are young. Um, I'd say his mental age is probably about five. And so when when the kids, when the grandkids, you know, uh, outpace his maturity, then they no longer become um, important to him. He no longer can relate to them. He... Um, Not that he would be emotionally abusive to the children, but he'd be a lot less careful about what he would say. And who knows, like, who knows what the line is there, right? Um, Maybe I have a skewed perception of that. But he and my mom moved to Ecuador and in about five years ago. And in Ecuador, they don't have the same access to medication like they do here. And so he went off his meds. And for a while, it was okay, you know, and a couple of years go by and it's getting worse and worse and they live in a smaller community. And so he's kind of making a name for himself. Um, crazy, crazy Ken out there, you know, doing whatever um, to the point where my mom did, <laughs> this pisses me off. My aunt and uncle went to visit and a couple of years ago and uh, they were like, Barb, my mom's name, Barb, you know, they observe some behaviors that were just normal to me, but they're like, you can't do this. And so then my mom decided to leave. <laughs> I'm like, really? That was your trigger?
1: To have- well, everybody's got one, right? I know. Mean, I know. I we know. Now, I, well, that is sad. And yeah, you know, we're is. also talking about the seventies and I'm not making any excuse. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. But if you research a lot about the seventies and just socially how things were set up what was acceptable and not um talking about mental illness is still a huge issue there's a stigma behind it so kick mm-hmm. it back 40 years ago you know and that is not an excuse
0: no that um, is what it is though
1: I, I understand what you're saying that your mom felt like by staying she was protecting you mm-hmm. and, and i almost can reason that out in my head how she got yeah. that, that thought yeah, concept, absolutely right? absolutely by staying and kind of keeping the peace and holding your breath and walking on eggshells nobody has to die cuz that's the threat right but right.
0: jesus so jesus. Jesus. jesus mary and joseph
1: <laughs> what were your brother were you and your brother pretty close and how are you still
0: yeah so my brother and i you know 6 years apart so we weren't close growing up Uh, you know, just age, nothing, not personality wise. It was just an age thing. Um, I'd say we're close now. He very much struggles with the same things I do around our parents. Um, When we, so again, I've been no contact with my dad for a couple of years now, but before then when we had family get togethers, my brother and I, a couple of days before we know we're going to see our parents, the anxiety kicks in and we become, I'm going to say pretty awful people to be around awful to our our spouses, our children, just kind of mean and biting and very impatient. And it's stealing ourselves for what we're going to walk into, right? If you've read the book, The Body Keeps the Score. I mean, it's not hard for me to put myself back in these situations and have my body feel like it did at the time and how how awful and scary and, and all of that, right? And so every time we knew every time, yeah, we knew we were going to, sorry, my dog's just barking. We'll pause for a All good, all good. Um, yeah, so every, every time it's just, and my husband and, and his wife are just saints to put up with us and to understand this is why and to not take it personally and then to help the kids, um, you know, just take on a little bit more during those times, if you will, just really be gentle on us. So my brother and I, we have very similar mannerisms. It's pretty fun when we're together. Um, Yeah, I'd say we're close now. Yeah, very similar too. Yeah. And if I, that's why I don't cut my hair short because I would look like him. (laughs) My brother is very handsome, but he's a dude, right? Well, we both have great hair. That was another thing I overlooked.
1: Similar, you know, I mean, who is that? You don't need to cut it.
0: No, I know, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> so, um,
1: does your brother have similar memories as you do? Because I have a younger sister, so I, I mean, I'm asking this on a personal level, too. Because mm-hmm. it's an age difference, so you're at a different place socially, emotionally, when the same things are happen, mm-hmm. happening. And also, we could both be at the same conference and hear someone speak and walk away and discuss it and have totally different yeah. perspectives, right? So
0: what's that part like for you two? I think that, so I don't want to speak for my brother, but I think that he still has this romanticized idea of what my parents could be. Um, For example, when my parents have like my mom, they've left each other a couple of times and always gotten back together, except this last time. Um, but he would get so mad and, and I'd be celebrating and then I would get so mad when my mom took him back in, <laughs> you know, so I think it's this very similar, like, yeah, I don't know if he feels as strongly quite as I do. Like, I, I will say, I want my dad dead. And that feels like an awful, I feel like an awful person saying it, but that's my truth. Um, it would just be easier.
1: Well, coming from a very similar background, I completely understand that. And it doesn't sound horrible to me. (laughs) It's
0: hard not to judge that though, right? It's very hard not
1: to judge. I I don't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know that my brother has that same level of hatred, disgust. Like, I don't, I don't know how to name that emotion. It's just, it's something that my, my entire life, once I, was emotionally more mature than my dad it's that's been my truth
1: right now you describe yourself as surrounded by people and dreadfully lonely
0: oh yeah yeah and then
1: we have these underlining feelings i want to talk about and i'm going to make some assumptions and you can yeah, please. that you're not worthy of being loved Uh, I mean, I remember thinking if I was smarter, if I was more athletic, if I was prettier, if I was taller or shorter, I mean, it's like junior high school on steroids. You're you're never going to fit in. And if I could just be the, not be the square peg in the round hole, Mm. I'd be loved and everything would change. Yeah. So tell me.
0: Yeah. You know, I've never, this is where I think I differ from a lot of, I'll use the word victim. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, I never saw it as okay. I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to kind of counteract it. I never thought I was to blame. I never thought that there was something I needed to do more or less of. Um, I always looked at my dad and said that was a problem with him, uh, not me. I didn't own that. Right? I own protecting. Now, when we get to my mom, I'd say that's where it starts to kick in. Is yeah, never feeling good enough, not worthy enough to protect, not lovable enough to protect. Um, there was a, and my mom and I have talked about this. Um, for my junior year of high school, it was pretty. Pretty much everyone thought I was going to be prom queen. Small town, okay, not that big of a deal. But <laughs> it was kind of the sure bet, right? And then I wasn't even asked to be on court. So this was pretty devastating to a 16, 17 year old, but I had gotten the, uh, the dress on the cover of 17 that year for prom season. So this was a gorgeous, gorgeous dress, right? And when I wasn't chosen for even court, my mom said to me, why did we spend so much money on a dress then? Oh my God, that has stuck with me. I wasn't even worthy of the few hundred for a dress. A beautiful dress. You know, and of course, she didn't mean it maliciously, I don't think, um, nor does she think. But when when you grow up in this verbally, emotionally abusive, like how can I don't know how I could not have taken it that way, right? Whether she meant it that way or not, that's neither here nor there. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of lost it's, in my memory. It's
1: here. all right. <laughs> you know, that That's feeling good. of not being worth it, which is how you felt. So if you're going <gasps> yeah. clean, you were worth yeah. it.
0: Yeah, I wasn't worth after. it. You know, I was supposed to be Maria in Sound of Music and I was Mother Superior. I, you know, going to college, I was in a, stuck in an overflow dorm with five other roommates and I met a boy and spent time with him so I didn't get to know my roommates and so then when it was time to pair up no one asked me to be their roommate and etc cetera, etc cetera. And, and all along the way it's these little digs from my mom right that well no one you know did you not make any friends did you did no one want to hang out with you <laughs> it didn't matter at that time that I was the one choosing to you know go be with a boy if you will Um, so when my parents, the night before they left for Ecuador, again, this is about five years ago, if I do my math correctly, we all gathered in Wisconsin Dells, my brother, his family, my family, my three kids and my parents. And I went to bed early that night because it's just, I don't even know what my mom said, but I'm laying in bed and I'm I'm repeating over and over, like, I'm worthy, I'm loved, I'm lovable all freaking night. And that was the only thing that, like, I, at that moment, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to be dead. I didn't want to be alive. Like, I I can't even describe that level of darkness. And then just getting through the, just getting through the night, repeating that to myself, having my husband come in the bed and just kind of hold me. And like I told him, like, I can't sleep. This is what I'm saying to myself. Just, and again, he, he, he's been around my parents enough. He knows the impacts they have on my brother and I, you know, this wasn't a surprise, but that's my mantra when I'm, if I'm going dark is to remind myself and then, um, even ask my husband, you know, just, I need to, I need to hear it right now. Like before I spiral, (laughs) because that night was a huge spiral before I spiral. I just, please, you know, I need to hear it. So he tells me, but yeah, sometimes I can remind myself and have that be enough. And sometimes I need an extra little help. How can you not though? Again, I go back to no one. <laughs> I feel my story is no one protected me. And and I have that's the evidence I've been able to gather. Cuz my mom's story isn't my story. My story is my story. Her story is hers, right?
1: That's hard to separate out when you live in a really <sighs> abusive because that's a person that's supposed to be taking care of you and protecting you more than anyone else, your parents.
0: Yeah. And, well, and- to hop in super quick, I became pregnant when I was 19, so the boy. <laughs> and I became a mother at twenty. And uh, I didn't I didn't want to be a mother. I tried to have an abortion and I was too far along. I tried to adopt him out before he was born. And my mom begged me to let my she and my dad adopt him. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? But, you know, I was 19. I, I didn't know how to have that kind of a conversation with my mom. Um, and so that's why I kept my son. And thank God I did. Like, he's, I, he's why I grew up and became responsible. And I mean, he, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm so happy the way it worked out. But going through it in the moment, it uh, didn't feel that way. <laughs> right? So the only reason I kept my son was so that my parents wouldn't raise him. Holy shit. Yeah.
1: And in the meantime, you're oh,
0: yeah. still trying to feel worthy and loved. Yeah. Yeah. I was too far along for an abortion. My parents wanted to raise them. I'm like, no, that no, uh, no. Not happening. Uh so yeah. How did you but, decide- but when I become no. a, when I became a mom at that young age, like that mama bear instinct, you know, it's like now I have my own children to protect. And so I just like shut that shit down with my dad, you know.
1: Yes, I do know. And how did, how was your transition becoming a parent in the way that you looked at your own parents and what? Now you have this child that, Mm -hmm. you know, if all's done correctly, you give birth to this child, regardless of the abortion or the adoption thoughts. Yeah. You'll kill or die, right? What was that like? rectifying the relationship with your parents after feeling that for your own child.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I want to say that through the pregnancy and all of that, my parents were including my dad. They were so supportive every step of the way. They were incredibly supportive and continued to be so as I went through college and stuff. Um, So it wasn't, it wasn't all bad right there's i i have to remember the good and that was definitely good um i think that like i'm remembering when my son was about 3 and he went he went to get rocks with my dad you know go collect rocks and they came home i could tell my dad had had a been in a rage and my son was pretty traumatized by that and uh that's what i kind of started not letting my dad like, kind of have as much access to, the, to, to my son at that time and then my other two when I had him. I don't know if I'm answering your question.
1: It's sort of. Um, you have to, you put down, you put up different barriers. It's not that you don't yeah. want them. And here's the problem with any kind of abuse, physical, sexual, emotional abuse. It's not 100% bad 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a shit ton of good sprinkled in there and that's almost more confusing. It would be easier if it was just cut and dry, you know, Yeah. but it's a more of a purgatory. You, you don't know if it's good or bad or when the shoe's going to fall. And so you want, mm-hmm. I would think, your own kids exposed to the parts that are good, that you know are there and possible, but yeah. not to the things that aren't. I yeah. know I became so enraged when I knew, when I became a mom and I knew what I would do, for that child, I was enraged that they could have possibly felt that way and not done that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, I was yeah. pissed.
0: Absolutely. It's like it, it, you know, I wouldn't say it kicked in for me right away because, again, I was still struggling with, oh, my God, I'm a mom. And, like, this is a, I tell this story um, another podcast is that when I was in high school, we had home ec. I don't know if you had that. I don't don't think they have it anymore. But you had to, you know, plan out what your your wedding, your family, and your career, right? And I remember thinking, I'm going to get a hysterectomy because I don't want children. So when I was 18, I went to the doctor and tried to get one and they wouldn't give me one. That's how much I didn't want children. I think a lot of that stems from how I grew up because I... I certainly have tendencies from both my parents. I mean, how could I not, right? And so even though I maybe didn't understand it at that point in time, I don't think I felt I could be a good parent. And I didn't want to do that to a child, right? So (laughs) this is really hard because I keep getting lost in memories as we're talking. And so I keep forgetting what you're asking me because I'm just, I'm in my body feeling it and that's good. Uh, it's maybe a little bit hard for you as the interviewer <laughs>
1: trying to keep me on track. No, not at all. I want to wind all over the place, kind of wherever yeah. it takes
0: us. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I so I, I nineteen twenty. I didn't really. I could feel that mama bareness, but it it took a while. I think for it to kick in that what protection of a child looked like. What that was supposed to look and feel like. And then, and then it was the enraged, like, I didn't get that. Like it it was the start of, oh my God, that was so fucked up. (laughs) I just, I'm gobsmacked that, is that a word people still use? I think (laughs) Um, Let's just go with it. (laughs) Uh, You know, that, that I have turned out, my brother, that we have turned out as good as we have, because going back we, yeah, we have defied the odds for our families, for ourselves and our families. And I I credit a lot of that to the spouses we've chosen to help us with that and ourselves for being strong, resilient, uh, knowing there was a better way.
1: You knew there was a better way, but you have no idea what that was. Right.
0: No idea. No idea.
1: That's a little stumbling. Although I still think it's ironic, you need a license to catch a fish. But right. know, I mean, anybody, every asshole can have a child. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not that I think that should be regulated, but there's no. no, there's no book, there's no guide. There's no like, oh my God, it's overwhelming and hard. And uh, <clears throat> so you're really shooting in the dark, especially if you've had bad examples.
0: Yeah. You know, and growing up, I didn't hear, I love you. And I know that that was very common then that people didn't go around saying, I love you. So that's neither here nor there. But with my first husband, um, so I'm with my second husband now, but my first husband, who's the dad of my two boys, when I went home with him over a college holiday and, you know, first thing he does is walks in his parents' house and gives his mom a kiss and says, I love you. And I was just like, what? And then like all throughout the weekend, it was just, even his dad, you yeah, know, I love you. And it was just, there was so much love. I'm like, what? I've I've literally never seen this before. Nor do I think it was all that common at that time. But seeing that, um I tell my kids I love them so much, maybe a little too much. Um, but you know, even when my grown boys, so my boys are 27 and 21, when they're in front of their friends and they'll be like, they'll just drop a love you, mom, like it's no big deal. And I'm like, oh, my heart just melts. <laughs> They I've tried to show it as much as possible, but I've also told them a gazillion times. They've never not heard that I love them. Um, so again, you know, words don't always matter, but that was something very important to me that my kids know they hear me say it. Cause seeing the love shared between my my um Well, boyfriend at the time and his parents, that was the start of showing me um, what it could look like. And I wanted that.
1: And it's so hard when you come from a place where you don't know what it's supposed to look like, but you know, it doesn't look like this. Right. And you're out there kind of navigating by trial and error.
0: Yeah. What
1: looks right. Yeah. So So now I, I want my kids to feel the opposite that I did. So what do I do to make them feel the opposite of I did?
0: Right. Right. It's so very I was a, hard. I was a reluctant mother, a reluctant wife. I was still in college. I had a lot going on <laughs> and then trying to navigate all these feelings and new roles and, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got through it and yeah. I'm much better for it.
1: Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. And I, I mean, I always feel bad. I tell my first daughter, like, you were the guinea pig. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i did not know what i was doing and i knew i didn't know and i was trying 150 every every day but some days that's a fraction and some days it looks like a lot you know i mean it depends on everything going on but i never didn't want to do an excellent job yeah but i never saw an excellent job yeah. i there's, there's no job description no there's no Nothing. way to gauge how you're doing so mm-hmm. now you took kind of all of this and Mm -hmm. you actually turned inward. I call this self-care, which I think self-care people need to realize isn't a coupon book on mother's day. Self-care should be something daily and all the time, but you kind of turned yourself inward and talked to your younger selves. So go over that a little.
0: Yeah. You know, being in the self-care world for a while, you hear about your inner child, um, And I was working with a coach at the time, Kate Swoboda, and she had me do some inner child work. And so it's just, it stuck with me. Like I said, it's probably been about six years. Um, But just recognizing that there were parts of myself that hadn't healed, um, that I was stuck at an age um, or different ages inside. And, you know, that's just the way I approached it was what does my eight-year-old need? What does my 12-year-old need? What does high school me need? And it was a way to make have it make sense. Like it was a tangible question I could ask and then answer. Because up until then, I, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't have the tools to do that inner reflection. And that again, it was just a little bit of something I could anchor to. And it made sense. It was like, oh yeah, my, my eight year old experienced this trauma. Like what might have I, like what, what today might still be impacting? And then that w- and the, the answers were pretty easy, right? Especially older, wiser me, who also has now raised three children. Like I, I can look back and relate to the eight year old, the 12 year old, the, the high schooler, you know? So yeah, it was just a way for me to get cur- curious.
1: That's amazing to go back into that and ask what that age would want.
0: Yeah, it's really That's powerful. Yeah, yeah. And you know, some people might think it's kind of weird and it's like, okay, well, it's okay. <laughs> Worked for me. <laughs> give it a try. But think about that. Like the the 12-year-old that was told her dad would kill her. No wonder I have nightmares. No wonder I have trust issues. No wonder, <laughs> you know. And I think what it does is I can then give kindness to those areas of myself that are maybe I don't like. Well, maybe I don't trust Maybe I haven't built up friendships because of this. How can I start to heal that? What does that look like? Okay, let's do it. Yeah.
1: And you felt so alone, which I can, I relate to that. I think a lot of people, going any struggle can relate to feeling like they're totally alone, even surrounded by people. And you you let Mm -hmm. people in, but you don't really let people in.
0: Right. People... I feel like such a fraud, not, not anymore, but it wasn't that long ago where, you know, people are like, you're so open, you're so transparent, you're so authentic, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. If you only knew what was going on behind the cert, you know, underneath the smile, cause I'm a naturally smiley person. That's my personality. I'm bubbly, sociable, relatable, you know, all of that. And it's like, yeah, if you only knew, you know, if you, <laughs> to have someone think I'm be, I'm transparent and open, I'm like oh my god, I feel like such a fraud.
1: And I don't think I see. I've never said it in those terms. I never felt like I was being fraud. I was mm-hmm. only allowing them to see what I wanted them to see. Yeah, still you know, me. It was who I am, but it wasn't nearly. It was definitely an iceberg thing. Like you're just seeing yeah. the very tip. There's so much underneath, and I'm not showing. You.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I felt very fraud um, mm-hmm. because it was as I was getting into the self help. Area online business area where we talk a lot about authenticity and vulnerability and you know I was starting to open up yeah I don't know that's interesting why I view it as fraud and you view it a different way that, that's really interesting I'm gonna yeah. think on that
1: <laughs> we'll that one so I know what you you got with a coach and you're doing self help but how I want to kind of build your arsenal the things yeah. that you built to get through. There's a lot to work
0: through, right?
1: So you got a
0: coach. I think even coaches should have coaches. Absolutely. People
1: totally minimize the value of having, whether it's a business coach or life coach, I mean, it does not matter. Whatever area you feel like you're a little floundering, hire, it's worth it. You are worth it. You're not paying the coach. You're paying for yourself.
0: Yeah. Right. Absolutely.
1: Um, and I'm not saying that because I'm a coach, I don't care if it's me, people hire, find someone that aligns with you. So you did that. Yep. I did that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I did too. I mean, when I look back, I did it more than I thought I did. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> so somewhere in there, I believe I was worth it. Yeah. No, I don't think I realized that. So tell me what you built to learn. You went inward. You looked at your mm. inner child. Yep. Yep.
0: Um, what else, you know, I'm guilty of taking every class, signing up with every coach under the sun, trying to find the silver bullet, even though everyone says there is no silver bullet, right. And like logically, intellectually, I know there is no silver bullet, but part of it was almost this high I would get, it was like, they were validating me. They were validating that I was a good person, that I was a kind person because I, up until recently, I had those stories that I wasn't a good person. I wasn't a kind person. And so I would get all this validation, Um, you know, and it's like when one person said it, you're like, "Eh," and then another, and then another, and another, and another. And after a while, it's like, oh, wait, wait. So as much as I have evidence that I might not be a good or kind person, there's a ton of evidence that I am. So let's get curious about that. (laughs) So what's in my arsenal? I think it's that ability to I'm very self-aware, but then to get really curious and to ask myself the hard answers or the hard questions, right? I think when I left corporate, um, I I was gone for about 15 months and that was one of the worst depression cycles of my life, and I gained 60 pounds. And I realized, yeah, <laughs> holy shit. So <laughs> recovering for that one a little bit. But I had to look in the mirror. It wasn't just my job that was making me miserable. It wasn't just this that was making me miserable. It wasn't just that. I had to look in the mirror. If, if I removed all the things that I thought were making me miserable, and I was still miserable, well, now what? Right? <laughs> so for me, it it still goes back to Curiosity um, yeah, I'm just really curious. I want to un- I want to understand, and I think that's something that I've always in my job in my life, I always want to understand the other perspective because there's always I know there's more underneath the layer. I know there's more to why a person um, is doing something the way they're doing it. And I just want to understand why.
1: I love that curiosity about yeah. and also. That belief, that belief inside, that you're not all of the bad things you've been told.
0: <laughs> that was a, that was a really good story to untangle and then be able to set that aside. That took a lot of years. And
1: tough, right? It does. It takes a lot of years, regardless.
0: Regardless. And it's exhausting. It is exhausting work.
1: And it's worth it.
0: Oh. You're, uh, Yes. A thousand times. Yes. That I mean, I could have so many times along the way I could have, you know, said, okay, this is it. I'm going to be a sad, miserable cow because you see people do that, you know, for whatever reason. Um, I don't think you can force yourself to be ready. And so I kept trying to force myself to be ready to deal with certain things and it wouldn't happen. But I just pick myself up, dust myself off, try again, right? And then all of a sudden one day, and I know the events leading up to it, but it was kind of like I was ready to let that story go. And uh, it's, you know, the trajectory from there has been phenomenal. Doesn't mean that there's other things that don't trip me up, but I just, I no longer, I'm 47 and I finally no longer think I'm this terrible human being. Um, who isn't worthy of having friends? Cause that's what I thought that was. Yeah.
1: Did you ever feel like no one would like you if they really knew? Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. That I, people are so used to seeing a confident, um, Self deprecating, you know, they're so used to seeing a persona. And like you said, that is me. But I didn't want them to see the ugly bits because those are me too. You know, and, and ugly, that's a subjective word. I don't mean, you know, it's we each have our lights and our dark sides.
1: Absolutely. And that's important <laughs> to realize that there's no one that's all light. There may be people that are pretty much all dark. I think that's yeah yeah. but um yeah we're we're not we're not all white I love at the bottom of your website you say words that are commonly used to describe you (laughs) yeah and of course I mean it's human nature we want that list of the positive ones right Uh, and you're and so you have a list of them that are awesome Joyful, playful, irreverent, love that, no filter, love that, transparent, which is great. It's hard to be transparent. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have this list and your favorite compliment, which I love. It made me think like, well, what are lying? Um, It is a lovely image. And then all the horrible things you're called and you have a list of that. And then you're very realistic that the truth lies in the middle. And that's what's important. Yep. That's what's important. You're not all of the bad things people said about you, but you're probably not always all the good things people say. Right. <laughs> I would love to believe that. And that you're, was... very, you're very honest about that, and I love that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like I said, I'm very self aware, um, which is good and bad. That's a blessing and a curse. <laughs>
1: that, that is true. Yeah. That is very true. And you're, you're like a, it's, we're all this huge sum of all of our experiences and baggage and things people have said, and we don't need to label it as anything. We all, yeah. it seems like we're, people are always trying to fit us, fit us in a box. And sometimes there's just no box. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, and I don't like the boxes. I think the, the magic happens outside of the box in in anything you're doing business anything you're doing it's outside it's outside of what we're trying to cram ourselves into um i have a daughter that's alaska native and i adopted her and we live in reno we don't live in alaska anymore mm. people don't look at her and recognize so they're like are you hispanic are you asian or, and she says yes to everything are you part black yep because I just told her, just say yes. It doesn't, you don't have to be put in any box. Be everything at once and not yes. them,
0: right? Yes. I love the, <clears throat> I'm this and this, like I'm awful and I'm amazing. I am yes. confident and I'm so not confident. I, it, because it like day by day, sometimes minute by minute. And again, it gets exhausting. I get that, right? But that's who I am. And like when I started accepting that, Again, it's just like layers were ready to shed, right? Because I was like, I can be this and this. I don't have to be this or that.
1: Stop trying to yeah. force it. So
0: it's the and part. and the and.
1: It's the and and, the and, yeah. Or the
0: but and the or and the... Yeah. <laughs> Paradoxes, <laughs> all dichotomies, all of it. All
1: right. So now I always talk in the podcast, there's no one and done. It's not like one day you wake up and you're like, oh, I have arrived and I'm healed and... La, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's more this journey and progression where you you hit a point that you know usually, like there was a shift, like you're saying, like I'm more okay with myself. What are and I know you've hit that point and mm-hmm. what led into that other than the self help? Was there therapy? Was there? I know your husband was a big part of it. Yeah. Find friends that helped. Talk a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. So. I'm going to go back to a couple of years ago, my mom kicked my dad out and we were all happy. And a couple of months later, she sends this email and in it, she says she and my dad are back together. Again, this is a cycle, but she and my dad are back together. They want nothing more than to have the family be whole again. Um, And that she apologized for spoiling my brother and I, And she did it to make up for our parents' tense relationship. And I was furious because what she did is she took all that stuff. Like I've had to, I have to remind myself, I am not crazy. I was told my dad would kill us. I am not crazy. My dad drowned my dog. I am not crazy. Like I have to remind, I have to relive these things to remind myself, I am not crazy. I am not making this up. I lived through this but it diminished everything, in my opinion, every, everything. And it was like that, that day, that moment, that week, I don't know, but it solidified in me. My mom doesn't have my back. I don't know why that was the thought. Cause again, I grew up feeling like she didn't protect us, but it was like, in that moment, I felt so alone. Like I didn't even have a mother, like who would say that right now I can look back. I can reflect back and be like, she's still a victim. She's of the same mental, emotional, verbal abuse, right? She's still a victim. My dad was looking over her shoulder, telling her what to type. Okay. But what it said to me was, no one else but me can, can, can heal myself, right? No one else but me can take control of this. It was like, bam, bam, bam. That's what I did. It was like, how, how, if, because all my life I've searched for the mother, I put that in quotes, a mother figure to take me under her wings because that's what I do for others and no one was there to do it for me. So I've always been searching for it, desperate for it. That day I became that person for myself, you know, and that looks like a lot of internal stuff. Again, asking myself what I need, being ruthless about, about getting that, Um, but I became my own mother that day. And so that meant I had to forge a different type of relationship with my mom. And we're working on that right now. We're working very hard on that right now. But I had to tell her like, you're my mom, but you're not my mom, right? There's a difference there. Um, I don't think so. I am annoyingly stupidly good at finding the silver linings and I had to go through that as furious as it still makes me. If I think about it, I had to go that because that is what sent me, sent my trajectory, the healing trajectory, um, that has made me a better mother, a better person, kinder to myself, where I have been able to go out and forge female friendships finally i'm 47 45 years of my life i didn't have female friends i mean okay so maybe between the ages of 18 and 45 i had a lot of acquaintances but not not i had no one i could call and say hey let's go let's go to coffee let's go shop let's go do yoga let's talk no one that is not an exaggeration
1: and <laughs> um, it's very lonely
0: yeah very lonely cuz again people see me they see a confident, smiley, extroverted, which I'm not, but that's how I appear. Person who think I have, I'm the life of the party, and here I am. I'm like, no one invites me to parties, like, because <laughs> I don't have anyone. <laughs> that's very pathetic. <laughs> but again, that's what I had to go through um, to be at the point where I'm confident and comfortable now wanting to do that for others. Because, you know, you can, you can look at me and think I have all of this and here I am so lonely. It's like heartbreakingly lonely, right? Heartbreaking for my husband to watch because he knows my heart and how, how good it is. And, you know, and it was, it wasn't, it wasn't that people weren't trying. I wasn't ready to, I wasn't healed enough to open up. But, yeah, heartbreakingly lonely, and for all intents and purposes, it shouldn't have been that way my my outsides didn't didn't match that. so I know I'm not alone. I know that there are other women out there who people look at them and think they're you know popular and just all and they're not popular being a very high school term, but you know what I mean? And they're not, you know, Right. I didn't, I didn't have a friend I could go confide in and, and share these heart things with. Um, and I don't want to assume that everyone has that because I know I didn't have that. And so that's the next iteration of how I'm serving the world. Um, yeah, I feel I really so. strongly about that.
1: It's a beautiful thing when you can take your struggles and your successes and turn it around to help other people. So maybe their struggle's a little easier, a little faster, yeah. a little less painful, a little less alone. Yeah. And so we, we both try to do that yeah. and that's far better. The struggles that you've had and the successes are far better than perpetuating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, my mom, of course, you know, she's like, why would anyone pay for that? <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're yeah. clearly not my ideal person. Right. <laughs> um, You don't understand why, like, I have spent so much money seeking validation from women and thinking if I hire them, then they'll be my friend in quotations, right? Now, through doing that, I actually have met a lot of friends. That's been very good. But why I was doing it wasn't very healthy. (laughs) But I wasn't getting it anywhere else from that female nurturing perspective. So, I paid for it. That <laughs> sounds like a sex thing. <laughs> <paid for>
1: <laughs> Which isn't bad either. It's not bad either. <laughs> But I get it. I mean, you were doing a lot of things at the same time, and only one of those was friendships or exploring the possibility of being less alone. Yeah. And actually, as a coach in the lots of different ways, and you've been a coach in lots of different ways, yes. that is part of what we're doing. You're yeah. not lifelong skipping rainbows, friends. It's not like that. Um, you're not necessarily coffee-grabbing friends.
0: Yeah, it's a business transaction. Friendship,
1: <laughs> kind of, but it's more than that. I mean, because the no, it what is. For is deeper. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, let's finish up on. Tell me what you tell the people that are asking you. How do I make a difference in myself? What can I do? what What's the arsenal of tricks?
0: For me, it is that curiosity. Um, I'll go back to that, and I love. I have this natural knack for asking the question that, and this comes from my corporate background, but I will ask or say what everyone else is thinking. I sometimes do it very awkwardly, (laughs) but I just, I kind of don't care because I want to get to the bottom of it. Whether it's a strategic problem we're solving in the corporate space whether it's a problem I'm trying to solve with my teams, whether it's someone who's struggling with not knowing why they feel so alone, you know, or not, you know, not wanting to be dead, but not wanting to be alive. I mean, you're such an exhausting place to live. Yeah. But it's like, you know, let's, let's ask the hard questions. Like let's look in the mirror. Let's, I I have zero tolerance patience. Maybe patience is a better word for chit chat. It's just not me. Like I want to go in deep. So
1: So that's what we should encourage other people. Ask
0: the hard questions. Be be, like (laughs) again, peel back the layers. Even if it's slow and painful and exhausting, peel back the layers. Keep going. Keep asking why. Why? Why do I feel that way? Why? Why does that keep tripping me up? Why, when someone says this, do I you know, always feel sick inside? I still see a manager. It's the only manager that, um, in all my years of corporate ever, that has me feeling this way. I still run into him in the skyway, and I want to throw up. That was like 12 years ago. I still viscerally want to throw up. I don't think I've learned yet what I need to learn from The time I worked with him, but I'm still curious, right? Like I'm not, I'm not willing to let that visceral throw-up reaction just go by the wayside. It's not ready for me to discover it yet, but it doesn't mean I'm not curious about it, right? So again, I I don't want to boil it down to it's all about being curious. Um, But it is the hard questions and being open and honest with yourself. Because like I said, when I, when I was forced to look in the mirror, when I stripped away everything that I thought was wrong in my life and making me miserable, that still wasn't it. I had to look in the mirror. I had to realize where these things were coming from.
1: I think it's important for people to know the answer is not always oh, where you think it's coming from or what you think it's going to be. And you have to be learn to be okay with that.
0: Yeah, and I do not do well in the ambiguity. I think that's why I'm always like driving to the hard, the hard questions to get to the answer because I don't operate well in an ambiguous environment. Uh, so I want to get to the nut of the matter as quickly as possible.
1: I love the curiosity and the hard questions. And I appreciate your time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was fun.
1: <laughs> well, it was painfully fun. It was pain- <laughs> yeah.
0: It can be both painful and, and fun.
1: And we're, we're again, not making a sexual joke, but we could be.
0: We Yeah, we're I, I don't think of it that way, but yeah.
1: <laughs> Jen, thank you so much. You can be found at jenvertonin.com. It will be in the show notes, and I really appreciate you.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for the work you're doing in the world. You too. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for listening in to Jen Taylor rerouting like share and of course comment. I welcome input with attitude. Get a copy of my book on Amazon. Hello, my name is warrior princess or check out my website, jentaylor.net. And if you still want more sign up for one of my coaching packages.